He is uh, the beat writer for MassInSports.com for the Washington Nationals. He is Mark Zuckerman. Mark, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. You staying cool up there? Yeah, well, it's supposed mm-hmm. to get to 100 today, so, uh, you know. But you know what? Atlanta's no picnic as far as hot temperatures are concerned. No, it is actually a little bit cooler here than, than in D.C. and Baltimore, which I would not have uh, not have thought, but it's still pretty hot. Here well, here. let me ask you this. Last night, uh, Patrick Corbin, five innings of, of work. He has to come out. He's pinch hit for, uh, and this team comes back uh, from the deficit on the uh, Victor Robles home run in the ninth inning to tie it uh, at three. At, at that point, what is Davey Martinez is thinking as far as uh, uh, Fernando Rodney in that situation in the bottom of the ninth as opposed to Sean Doolittle? Well, it was um, confusing in the moment. It was confusing as he explained it afterwards, and it's still confusing this morning, to be honest. Uh, Basically, Davey's explanation was that he felt like Fernando Rodney was good for a second inning. It's not something that he had done he had not thrown two full innings in a game in six years, since 2013. Um, he did get four outs a couple times last year. He did it once this year at AAA. But you're facing the top of the Braves lineup, and these are the good guys, Acuna, Swanson, Freeman, and Donaldson. Doolittle had warmed up in case they took the lead, so he was ready to go at the start of the inning if they needed it. And uh, Davey felt like Rodney made the most sense and then continued to feel like he made the most sense straight till the end of the game. He finally had Doolittle warming up, but it was in case the game somehow got to Nick Markakis, who was the the on-deck batter, after Josh Donaldson. So he did not want to use Doolittle against Freeman or Donaldson. There was a moment when he came out to the mound and it looked like he was signaling to the bullpen and Doolittle and some of the other folks in the bullpen started panicking, saying he's not ready yet. But it wasn't signaling to the bullpen. He was signaling for Juan Soto, the left fielder, to come in and play as a fifth infielder. Right. It, it really was a, a kind of a mess. It didn't look good, and it didn't turn out good. Um, and I, I'm just I'm not sure a lot of people are going to justify the argument here. Well- of, of saving up your best pitcher when the game's on the line and you're facing their best pitcher. Oh, we know all about that in Baltimore. <laughs> happened, in a, <laughs> happened in a playoff game. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this is the kind of thing that Davey took a lot of grief for in the first month and a half to two months of this season was some of the pitching decisions. Now, you had a situation the other night up here in Baltimore, a game that they could easily have won. Eric Fetty's at 66 pitches after six. And a one-two-three inning in the fifth inning, and he comes out. He comes out of the game, and he's pitching relatively easy. I mean, there, there were no really high leverage innings for him, uh, and he doesn't come out, uh, you know, for an extra inning. And I really question that. Yeah, a lot of people did, uh, myself included. And um, I, I think what's probably surprising in the big picture here is that when Davey was hired, he was kind of touted as an analytics guy, as somebody who would do things a little unconventionally from Joe Madden's school of thought. Uh, and, and to be honest, I would say as, a, as an X's and O's manager, he's been pretty cut and dried, old school, do it by the book kind of way. Uh, for example, like last night, saving your closer on the road, not pitching him in a tie game because you're, you're waiting for a save situation. Um, the other night with Fetty, having a plan going in, 
sticking to it and then not making adjustments based on what you're seeing. He gave an answer last night, uh, essentially saying, uh, Rodney's my eighth inning guy, Doolittle's my closer. It sounded a lot. It was impossible not to think back to Matt Williams mm-hmm. in the playoffs against the Giants when he didn't use Tyler Clippard uh, in the seventh inning of a do-or-die game for them. Uh, and they wound up losing it because of Aaron Barrett pitching instead. It's surprising to me because here's a guy who, like I said, was thought of or, or sort of touted as being new age and, and willing to do things differently uh, and having a good feel for the moment. And he's really, uh, you know, he's done a lot of great things in the clubhouse. But as an X's and O's in-game manager, there is a lot of just kind of um, conventional uh, maneuvers by him, really not a lot of stuff that goes off the book. We're talking with Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. We're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studio. This is the bat around. Uh, the Scherzer injury, it started out as a sort of, he took off the All-Star game. It was no big deal. Then he went on the IL. It was no big deal. And the hope was he'd be able to pitch tomorrow. Um, they're still saying it's no big deal. Are you concerned at all? long term and by long term I'm not talking about next year I'm talking about 10 days from now that he won't be back yeah look until he is throwing off a mound again I think you have to at least be somewhat uh, cautious and and somewhat concerned about him Um, what they finally discovered they were originally called it a back strain they finally discovered earlier this week is that it is and I'm going to hopefully get this right scapulothoracic bursitis Okay. which is a strange term that means he's got inflammation of a bursa sac uh, under his scapula, basically his, his behind his, his shoulder, shoulder and his upper back. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's something that he didn't know existed, none of us knew existed. <laughs> uh, anytime I've ever heard about a bursa sac, it's only been like actually in the shoulder, in the knee. But I guess you have these things all over the place. Um, he got a cortisone shot for it. He was told maybe within three to four days he'd be all right. He hasn't been able to throw off a mound yet. But this is kind of a strange thing. He's talking with our old friend Sean Kelly, former teammate now with the Rangers, and Kelly says, hey, I just had the exact same thing. I got the cortisone shot, and five, six days later I was good to go. So today would be day five. Okay. So if he is able to now throw off a mound in the next couple days, he seems to think he's going to be fine, and he'll make a start next week, and then this will be the end of it. Now, like I said, until we actually see him out there uh, throwing and not being in pain, then I think you have to at least be a little bit uh, concerned about it. So he's trying to remain optimistic by it. Um, we'll see. It's it's certainly not ideal given the timing of this and how important the schedule is for them right now. But here's a guy who has really made it through his whole career without any kind of significant uh, injury. And this is the first time that he's been in a situation like this, and it's killing him because he wants to be out there. Um, so I, I think we'll know more in the next few days, but the hope would be that he comes back to pitch within the next week and maybe even faces the Dodgers and the Braves at home. Hey, Mark, uh, you've covered the Nats for several years now here. You know the history of Nats versus Orioles, both on the field and in the courtroom. Um, what about when it comes to acquiring a player that could help the Nats win, get into the playoffs, and go deep in the playoffs. And he's sort of the right guy in terms of you wouldn't have to give up too much for him. 
and that's Michael Givens. Would these two teams be able to consummate a deal if it was good for both teams? You know, I think if it was purely up to the baseball operations folks, Mm -hmm. they would do it in a heartbeat if it made sense for both teams. The question is, is it only up to the the baseball operations folks or is it up to the folks above who have other issues going on between them? Uh, Now, I work for the network that's at the center of all this, so I have to be careful what I say here, but um, I think there's a pretty good reason that these teams have never made a trade with each other and have made trades with every other team in baseball. Uh, if that's not coming from above, I'd be surprised by that. That's an awful big coincidence for it to have never happened. So uh, if it makes baseball sense, it should happen. But uh, as we know, there's a lot more than baseball going on here between these two franchises, and so that's why I would be skeptical. I'd be skeptical, uh, too. I'd be skeptical, too. It's a good answer. Do you think the trade makes sense from a baseball sense? Is there a fit? Is Givens a a right type of guy, both – that you'd be have a guy you got some control over. He's not going to replace Doolittle, but he could fit in in the seventh and eighth inning and be pretty dominant, especially against right-handed hitters. Yeah, that that is among the things that they're looking for is a good quality setup man. And Mike Rizzo loves to acquire uh, players who have more than one year of control. Mm-hmm. He's not big on the rental player. He's done it a few times. Uh, Kelvin Herrera last year uh, was one. Mark Melanson a few years ago was another. Um, but ideally he likes to acquire somebody who he's going to have for another year because they're going to be in the same boat next year. Uh, they still need long-term release help, and, and he figures if I'm going to give up a prospect, right. uh, I want to get more than two months of, of this guy in return. So, yeah, I think it does make some sense in that regard. Um, you know, But at the same time, the Nats don't have the kind of prospects they've had in years past. The cover's a little uh, more bare right now, so it may be a situation that they have to look more at the rental player because it doesn't cost as much uh, in terms of what you're giving up for. Well, one of the things that's led this turnaround, and there have been many, uh, was uh, Animal Sanchez getting his season straightened uh, straightened out after an 0-6 start. And here he has a chance to get to 500 tonight if he can win a game uh, for the Nationals. But Soroka's back, so that's going to be a tough task. But, you know, going forward now with the Scherzer situation, Mark, I was thinking if they split this series, you know, they leave no worse than what they came in. If they could take three out of four, they gain basically two games in the standings, and uh, that would behoove them very good, very well going forward, uh, knowing that they're still going to have, a, you know, a few more series left with the Braves head-to-head. Yeah, I mean, the the, the whole hope for, that they have for winning the division, I mean, it, it's a, a big deficit to make up in the bigger picture, but they came into this with 14 games against the Braves. 21% of their games right. the rest of the season are against the Braves. So that's your chance to beat them head-to-head. And I felt like if you could win nine of those 14, I think that puts you in a, in a reasonable position to do it. So that's where the idea of, hey, take three out of four this weekend, you could really get on the right track for that. And that's why last night's was so tough, um, because you know you're facing their ace tonight. Uh, and now you know you don't have Scherzer tomorrow night. Although, for everyone who's who's just chalking that up as a loss tomorrow, they're going to be facing Kevin Gosman, and they crushed him the last time they faced him, and they've had success against him going back to his days in Baltimore. So I wouldn't quite chalk that one up yet. Tomorrow night could be a slugfest. But, um, yeah, I think at this point you have to be thinking, hope to get out of here uh, with a four-game split, and then 
take your chances when you face them back at home uh, next week and then beyond. Um, but, you know, even if they don't uh, do that, even if they end up, uh, you know, ultimately not able to, to make significant ground up on the Braves, they're still in a very good position in the wild card race. The National League has a whole lot of teams that are in this thing, but none of them look dominant. Right. And I would say the Nationals, especially if they can uh, acquire a reliever or two in the next couple of weeks, I think they still would stand out from the rest of that pack of the wild card contenders. Now, you're, you're playing now for a one-game playoff, as you guys know uh, how that can go. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, given where they started this year, it's still not a bad position to be in if they can't win the division. Well, they have the night game uh, tonight. They have the Sunday night game tomorrow. So we want to remind everybody about that. That's the ESPN That's game. That's the game on ESPN. Right. Yeah. Uh, going forward, Mark, uh, with this, you know, you know, the way they've played, it, it kind of, for me, starts with getting Trey Turner back, knowing that they were missing three-quarters of their infield for much of the first six weeks. Uh, but, boy, it became contagious because Juan Soto, who had a rough start, got going, and he's going gangbusters right now. You know, I'm continuing to be awed by the, you know, the production and the maturity that goes by each day with uh, Victor Robles. Uh, and again, we see Zimmerman back now healthy. And although he's not running all that well, he is driving the baseball, and that's a good sign. That is a good sign. Uh, he did have the single that set up the uh, Robles homer last night. Right. Um, you know, Robles, I just wrote about this morning, he's now had three homers this year that tied the game or gave them the lead late, twice with two outs in the ninth inning. He's hitting over 300, over 900 OPS for the last month. He is coming into his own, and I know he is prone to those uh, high-profile mistakes, uh, usually in the field or on the bases, but this kid's got so much ability and talent and now a knack for coming through in big situations. And he's only going to get better as he gets more experience and starts to learn, uh, you know, when to take these chances and when to, to back off. Um, between him and Soto, who, again, I still feel like is underrated across baseball, he's one of, I think, only five guys in the league right now with 300 batting average, 400 on base, and 500 slugging. He's even better than he was last year when he was one of the best teenagers of all time. Um, those two kids together, side by side, uh, are the reason that, you know, as much as everyone's talking about this year and trying to win right now, uh, this team is still in good position over the long term because they've got a couple of, of huge uh, building blocks in those two in, in the outfield. I want to return, Mark, before we let you go, to that idea of a Givens trade and what a return could be. Um, it's interesting how great Soto is, and I think it's an, an amazing story watching him. And Robles has come into his own as the season's progressed. He's really becoming more and more solid. The next guy that, that didn't quite make it for the Nationals is Michael A. Taylor. Would Michael A. Taylor and something like the return the Orioles got for Kashner with a couple young guys – would that fit what Rizzo might be willing to give up for Givens? Well, yeah, this is interesting because I think too often we tend to think of, okay, who are their prospects yeah. that they have, and we're talking about Carter Keyboom. Yeah, I know we're not, yeah, we're not getting Keyboom. Yeah, we're not getting Yeah, and, and, but, and, but this, is, this is the thing, Stan, and I've been wondering this myself. Um, are they in a position this year, as opposed to in the past, to maybe actually trade 
somebody with big league experience, like a Taylor, right? Uh, like uh, somebody off their bench, uh, maybe one of their starters, like Voth or Fetty, somebody like that. Uh, and the thinking would be that maybe that helps a team that needs uh, some big, you know, more kind of closer to big league ready right now. Yeah, and also maybe helps the Nationals from a standpoint of remember they're really up close against the luxury tax. Yep. And it's something they've tried to avoid going over for a third straight year. Well, maybe in a trade, you're not just taking on money, but you're giving up somebody who's making money, like mm-hmm. Taylor, who's still making a few million dollars. So that might be a path for them to try to do something. The only problem with Taylor is his value has dropped a lot. Oh, it's got, it's, I, I can't believe what I'm looking at. At double A, and I know they had him close by probably in case they need him, but he's hitting 183 at Harrisburg. Yeah. Um, he has come a long way down from where he was when he was such a big part of that playoff run against yep. the how, mu- how much of that, Mark, do you think is Dusty Baker not being here? Because really yeah. it was Dusty who took him under his wing and said, look, you've got the job right now. It's time for you to go grab the bull by the horns and go take it. He did. And, and yeah, there was a good connection there, and, and I don't want to discount that. At the same time, there was a point last year when they were dealing with all the injuries in the outfield that Michael A. was the everyday center fielder. Right. He did not make the most of that opportunity. No. He's been given a lot of them over the years. <laughs> and you can say, hey, uh, there have been points where Davey has just kind of let him rot on the bench, and that's true, and maybe it would have made a difference. But at least in the last two years, when he has had an opportunity to play, he has not made the most of it, and so he's kind of left Davey in a situation where he maybe doesn't feel like he can't afford to give him uh, any kind of significant playing time. It, it's, it's, it's gotten to a bad situation. I feel like in the long run, it's probably just going to be best for Michael to go somewhere yeah. else. The shame of it is that the Nationals probably aren't going to get a whole lot for him uh, because the value has dropped so much. Well, in the last whoever, year. whoever would get him is going to get a wonderful defender, and you can still yeah. arguably make that case that he's the I best. I mean, the Red Sox win an awful lot with, with a great defender in center field. Right. I'm not saying... Taylor's as good as Bradley, but you know I think I think actually Michael A. at his best can hit a little bit better than Bradley. Yeah, could we'll be. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, Mark, we really appreciate your coming on. Uh, always right. a pleasure to get uh, your yep. insights. Okay. All right. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. Thanks. There you have it.